Oh no, I think I just started the podcast sniffing. Anyway, hello. <laughs> hello and welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. Andy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm good. Sometimes I listen back to our podcast and you say the exact like that every time, but it's really cute. It's just this routine. Routine is yeah. important. I think that's where it came from on Fitness Unfiltered where I was like, I'm fine. I think it kind of like everyone's yeah. just like I'm fine. Let's get on with the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but your week's been good. Yeah, it's been another busy week, which is good. Aside uh, from that, it's just raining all the time at the moment. Yeah, yeah. standard standard Scotland. Um, really, you know, it's the same as like August in Edinburgh, and it's generally festival season. You know, everybody starts putting all their chairs and tables and stuff out on the street for bars etc and then it's a month of pissing down yeah um, Scotland looks but then there's like the the one or two days during the festival where it's sunny and it is like you would never like you look at it and you're like I would never want to be anywhere else like if Scotland was sunny all the time genuinely the best place I've ever been well we have we know this skin is waterproof so suck it up yeah but it's but it's not as nice is it Feeling the sun on your skin. I yeah. really appreciate the amount of Mac B that Andy has in this picture. You can't see, but he has. Oh, do you know what? English people don't get Mac B. Yeah, what? Oh, the water, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's Laura's stuff. She's been using Shona's room as an office, so she likes the apple and blackcurrant, whereas oh. I'm a, I'm a rasp, cranberry and raspberry man. Oh, man, you are 100% right there. <laughs> cranberry and raspberry that's I've, that's one of my random facts of my life is that i was born in a raspberry patch that's gen- what? genuine my mum's my mum went into labor with me in a raspberry patch i was born in that raspberry patch which is why i love raspberries oh that's cute well remember the cabbage patch kid kids i'm a raspberry patch kid <laughs> i think i would rather be a raspberry patch patch kid like cabbage tastes like sh- yeah um okay i have had a very busy week i have done three lectures one of which i had to redo because the audio was bad so i'm counting that as four lectures three podcasts for the lectures so that was all the eiq stuff yep then i've done three q a's no sorry two q a's what am i talking about then we had a guest huh this will be number three Q and A, is it? No, no. This is oh. one. This is podcast. Um. So, same thing, isn't it? But yeah, and then we had a guest on the podcast, and then we've got this, and then we've got a live tomorrow for EIQ. So very, very busy week. That is twelve hours of uh, podcasting. Oof, that's that's a lot of talking. It's a lot, and I was just showing Andy that my eyes are like bloodshot. <laughs> Yeah, she's um, she's 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 grinding and hustling. I'm, I'm doing very well. Um, but on the plus side, I have come off quite a lot of my medication. That's good. Yeah, you were pretty heavily dosed. Yeah, yeah. Everyone like whenever I would go and see a specialist, they would be like, "Oh, so what are you taking now?" Like list it all, and they'd look at me and be like, "Why are you not <laughs> like absolutely off your face?" And I was like. <laughs> I think that I metabolize drugs really quickly because they don't have, huh? 
You're not supposed to tell people how you got through your rowing career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I never that, got half life, so I was just able to time it just so the drug yeah. test didn't find. Yeah. That's all these athletes that's all these athletes coming out, yeah, yeah, I don't take anything. I just metabolize things very quickly. Mm. Well then you could take stuff and then it'd be out your system by the time they tested you. Yeah, very true. That all is quite interesting. Not the drugs cheeks, but like how different um medications affect different people and it's so hard to sort of you know we have like blanket recommendations for take x amount of paracetamol or whatever it is but and obviously because it'd be way too hard to figure out an individual person's rate of metabolizing a drug but yeah it's very individual yeah. shall we get on with the questions let's go for it okay um oh this is one i really wanted to ask you so i actually asked shona on the podcast on the live that we did but i think you're going to have a really good answer for this so do you have any muscle engagement tips for lifting such as weight through your heels when you squat press through your press your shoulders into the bench as you chest press i found these really useful in engaging my muscles do you have any more of these useful tips so i guess more like coaching cues because you are you're really good at these i know it's hard off the top of your head but um okay yeah, let's, let's, should we do the, the like big lifts and you can say what you would yeah so squat for me um weight should be distributed between your um ball of your foot and the back of your foot but not directly on the heel because you'll end up tipping up and landing on your arse um but on a squat at the bottom you should actually be able to lift your toes similar to like a stiff leg deadlift your toes should be able to come up slightly um um cues for squatting Feet generally hip width, but it's not really, it's very much dependent on the person. Your knees, your knees can and probably will go over your toes. So any cues that you hear about your knees shouldn't cross your toes is generally bullshit. Um, that was the first thing I got taught at Virgin Active. Yeah, honestly, it's one of those ones that it's, it's funny because you'll get people who are doing like your level three personal training qualifications. And what people don't realize is that level, like to, to become a personal trainer, the qualification is down to health and safety. So you don't squat past 90 degrees, which is bullshit. You can squat past 90 degrees all you want. Your knees shouldn't cross your toe, which your knees will cross your toes when you're squatting if your flexibility is good enough. Um, so yeah, it's squatting for me is one of these is one of these exercises that you'll never be able to set up two people identical setups because it's dependent on some people will track out one side a little bit wider with their knees going out over their toes a bit more. Um, but things like keeping your core engaged for all exercises. Imagine somebody's poking you in the ribs when you were a kid. Remember, you used to get tickled in the ribs. And you tighten up, that's kind of your ab brace and that's what you need to do for things like deadlift and squat. So I am the most ticklish person ever. Whereas like, I'm, I'm just not, I, you can stick pins in me, I'm not that bored. Like my brother but, used to tickle me and I would just piss my pants. Then it wasn't, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> it's not, all it's funny not, until Emma wets herself, huh? <laughs> it's all fun and games until MOS. That should be your that should be your tagline. It's all fun and games until MOS or something. That's when you know you've just taken it too far. Yeah. Squat coaching cues, um, backside out, um, stick your butt out, push your knees forward, always nice and simple. Um, deadlift. 
is generally for me is deadlifts are set up that's an the 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 opposing movement from a squat. You're lift, you're standing up out of a squat rather than than um, sitting down into a squat. So knees forward, butt back, exactly the same. Um, a nice little cue that I've always used for people with like things like if you're doing chest press, like bench or dumbbells and stuff is. Imagine if you've got a barbell, imagine you're holding the barbell and you're trying to crush the bar together. So you're trying to squeeze the bar together and that'll get a little bit more pec activation. Um, there's just oh, I so like many, that, yeah. There's so many, but it's the same thing as with a set of dumbbells. When you come in with a set of flies, imagine that somebody's giving you resistance and you're trying to squeeze the life out of that in the middle. So crush the Swiss ball between your elbows. But there's so many coaching cues you could, we could be here for. You could do yeah. <laughs> you could do a year's worth of podcasts with coaching. What about cues. lateral raises? Because that's something everyone gets wrong, isn't it? So lateral raises, yeah. Don't for me, lateral raise should be a soft elbow. So when I when I say about a soft elbow, I mean a slight bend. So don't lock out the lock out the joint. But again, there's no reason why you can't lock out joints. That's just one of these things, but it's it's more for the positioning. Um, and something else that I actually um, that I quite like teaching is to ha- not to grip the thumb underneath the dumbbell. I actually like to have the thumb on top of the dumbbell because it activates um, your your front delt more than if you have a grip. Like if you grip round with the thumb, actually your front of your delt kind of slightly doesn't completely turn off. But if you have your thumb on top of the dumbbell, it actually fires up a bit harder. It's just because of the position of your hand. Um, yeah, but yeah. I think, think with a lot it. of these exercises as well, especially if you're looking at building muscle, like you can do quite heavy flies with shit technique, like talking about dumbbell flies or lateral raises, like, or you can do, and this is going to be more important now for when you're at home with potentially lighter weights, if you have any, is especially with flies, I find if you do them really slow and do exactly what Andy's thinking about, like you're crushing that weight in, or you're like you're crushing something in the middle and you're activating your um, pecs doing that, that is going to be way more effective. Like, you can do flies and not feel anything with the same weight as you would do flies and feel something, but you've really got to think about engaging the muscles that you're trying to work. How, how many times are you going to the gym and do you see, like, for instance, we've, we've spoken about this regularly, lateral raises. Like, I'll not, I'll not lateral raise anything more than probably 15s, because there's no necessity to lift any more than 15s because you end up having shit technique, you end up swinging your hips, which you end up doing fucking hip thrusts rather than lateral raises to get the dumbbells moving. So rather than doing that, cut it back a little bit, focus on really good technique, get the technique nailed down, feel the burn, feel the muscles working. That's what you want. Like, you know, generally if you go into a gym and you see somebody trying to play lateral raise 25 kilos they're generally not using their belts because they're doing so much swinging it's momentum that's doing the movement not the actual delts themselves so out of 10 reps they might get they might get a bit of they might get their shoulders activated in two of those reps whereas if you cut that in half and go to 12 and a half every single rep you'll feel like you'll feel every single one um but yeah, it's that kind of ego, it's that ego-driven thing that blokes kind of have in a gym where I need to press as much as I can, or I need to, you know, there's, you know, benching heavy is great, and benching heavy, like, yeah, I love benching heavy, but I will not do heavy flies because there's no point to heavy flies for me. You know, if you can't get full controlled movement where you're feeling your pet from the full range of motion, 
what's the point? You know, you know, it's you end up trying to shunt yourself and you end up contorting your body to try and get the dumbbell moving or to get it out of a position where you may actually end up popping your shoulder. So yeah, it's ego, take the ego out of it and always go for feel. Yeah, agreed. I think the only ones that I know help me or what I think about in my head is when deadlifting, you're like, think about pulling the bar like backwards towards you, even though it's probably not going to move backwards. Hopefully yeah. that makes some sense. And when you're doing stiff leg deadlifts, like the first movement is from your hips. And that's where a lot of people get that wrong is that like, think about the first movement is pushing your ass back. And yeah. I don't want people bending their knees. Like, I mean, they should be stiff not locked out but until their arms their hands are over their knees so that first bit of movement is just hip and i think that's what people get it's exactly the same movement as when you're on the rowing machine and you know when you see people on the rowing machine and they're like having to swing over their knees because as soon as they're at the top of the movement they bend their knees again that's That's what people end up doing and stuff like that and it's exactly the same movement that they need to do a, a good um, a good cue for a stiff leg deadlift is always I quite like to when I'm teaching it is as you say that so, uh, it's a stiff knee so a soft bend in the mm-hmm. knee but it is locked in that it's it's really weird you don't want to lock out the knee but it is locked in a stiff like a soft position the nice thing about that one is is if you think about splitting the hips and the chest so your your hips and your chest are getting further away from each other and line yourself up with a wall about maybe a foot behind you try to get your butt to touch the wall. So push your bum back to try to touch the wall while keeping your back straight is always, as soon as you um, arch your back, like if you allow your chest to dip in a stiff leg deadlift, your hamstrings turn off because your back, everything loosens off and your hamstrings turn off. So yeah, it's... um, Yeah, and and if you're more like, if you're like, hmm, I quite like thinking about the biomechanics of this or something, like you're still trying to have your center of gravity with that weight like over the like between as Andy was saying like the heels and the balls of your foot so yeah. you don't want to be pushing the bar out you don't want to be swinging your hips too far back like that's that's the aim is that that basically stays in a straight line yeah and then you think really like you're looking to engage your glutes and your hamstrings and that's again like thinking about engaging those muscles yeah. is really going to help you with the move. I also posted in the group this week, Shelley did a really good little tutorial on why like different people will have different squats depending on the length of their legs and different parts of their legs and things like that. So we actually, the reason I got her to do it is because we were talking about it the other day because we both like dropped into a squat and we have quite similar antra. Oh, I can't even say the word Anthrop- anthropomorphic Anthrop- the tr- yeah, you know one. what I mean basically similar bodies didn't it but like long long upper body quite short legs which means yeah. that we have like the textbook squat position yeah. but we were with someone else who had very long femurs and they were like yeah. I can't get into that position and then you check like ankle mobility perfect ankle mobility like everything is perfect so there are a lot of people that can't get into that position because of mobility yeah. But the assumption is that anyone who can't get into that squat position has poor mobility, and that's not true. No. It's, so she sort of you, speaks through that. If, if you want to find it in the group, I think you just go to photos in the group, and all the videos should come up, so should, it'll be in there. Yeah. It's the same thing with, like, virtually all exercises. There, will not, there is not a – there is an ideal position 
that you will do for most exercises, but you will have to manipulate it to, to take into account your biomechanics. So things like bench, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people can arch their lower back when benching, you know, to get that sort of engagement in your lats. Um, you know, a lot of people find that obviously the width of their hands with a bench, with a bar, you know, some people will bench wider, some people will bench narrower. It's about finding the positions that work for you where you can engage the muscle from um, and, and sort of manipulating it from there. Okay, well, we should probably move on to question two. Let's do it. What constitute, what constitute, why can't I read today? This happens every day. <laughs> what constitutes? Is that a word? Con- constitutes. <laughs> You're oh going for the God. <laughs> Wow. Someone take my degree away. Okay. Are you, are you sure you're coming off your high dose of painkillers? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm still on very high dose of painkillers. So let's go with that. Just not on as many. <laughs> you know what's really nice is that the amitriptyline I was on gave me the driest mouth. Like, I had to have a bottle of water with me all the time. And even, like, during podcasts, I'd be saying something and then I couldn't speak because my mouth was so dry. Not great. So anyway, that stopped. And did I tell you that I couldn't feel my forehead? Did you try just touching it? (laughs) No, it was so weird. Like, it felt like I had, like, skiing goggles on my head the whole time. So strange. And I kept, like, doing that, like, touching my forehead in my flat moment would be like... You you, you didn't have your sunglasses there, did you? Huh? You didn't have your sunglasses up. Well, initially, when it happened, I just thought, oh, I must be wearing my sunglasses. And then I was like, I'm not. That's really strange. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, oh, maybe they were really tight on my head. I I do have a big head. So I thought that's a possibility. And then when it lasted for like weeks, I was like, this is very strange. But anyway, I can now feel my forehead. So that's a win. That's a win for this week. And I have saliva. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. What are you grateful for this week? Saliva. My saliva. Okay. So what constitutes... Oh, nailed it. A portion of fruit or veg. Google told me 80 grams, but I purchased a stir-fry mix of 320 grams and it said half a pack was one of my five a day. I'm confused. (laughs) I'm concerned I'm not getting enough fruit and veg. I think this is a case of overthinking it slightly. Yes. But I think what might be happening with the stir-fry is that there are loads of, obviously loads of different vegetables in it. So great, like huge variety there. But there's often quite a small amount of each like you've probably got about a quarter of a pepper in like half a stir fry mix yeah exactly that's it don't don't over don't don't stress about it don't overthink it what to do is just count it as one of your five a day and then have five other things yeah exactly nice and simple you know the 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 last thing that you need to do is start stressing about that stuff because if you're stressing about that it's yeah it's putting it's putting a stress on your mind that shouldn't really be there yeah no need to stress about that but it is like an interesting question because i mean if you're being really pedantic like what is 80 grams that's interesting see um shona was doing this thing where she was trying to get in 
x amount like i mean x grams of fruit and veg a day and i was like that's i mean i don't want to say stupid but it's not like it's a very strange way of doing it like why because some things weigh more like whatever has more water in it like most fruit and veg has a lot of water in it but if you want something like for example like a watermelon is effectively water it's going to weigh a hell of a lot but you're not getting like there's barely any fiber in it whereas yeah. you look at like some broccoli or 80 grams of spinach that's like a lorry load of spinach like it's, yeah, yeah exactly yeah until you, until you cook, you it, cook it, it down like, and there's like nothing what happened there <laughs> but yeah don't don't overstress. Don't over don't overthink things. But it's the same, you know. On the flip side, it's like you know everybody talks. Remember, they used to have that thing about innocent smoothies, and like there's yeah. nothing innocent about an innocent smoothie because they jammed in five hundred pieces of fruit into this little bottle that now then works out at like three thousand calories. Yeah. I'm having my five. I'm having one of my five a day. It's like you know no, what? No, they should send that out to like countries that need a lot of calories. Yeah, oh, that stuff's like... It's One ridiculous. of them in a protein shake, sorted for the day. hundred percent, like, the, the, amount of, the amount of... the Literally, the amount of fruit in an innocent smoothie, you probably would... A normal person getting in their five a day would need two weeks to get that much fruit in, or mm. fruit, fruit into it, so yeah. But then what, they must be taking out, like, some of the pulp and good stuff, like some oh, of the fiber. They'll, they'll, take out, they'll take out all of it, though, won't they? They'll just, it'll be strained, it'll be... Um, well, it's left. quite thick. So I think they must leave some of it in. Maybe it's the well, banana. I think that'll be the banana that thickens a smoothie, doesn't mm. it? Interesting. Anyway, to round this up, just try and get as much fruit and veg in a day, really. Like, you can overdo it. I had a question this week, like, should you track your fruit and veg? In- oh, no, no. Someone had put in my question box, I heard that you don't track your fruit and veg. Is this true or something? Like, No. If I was tracking, like I don't track because I don't like to diet that way. But if I was tracking, yeah. would I track my fruit and veg? Yes. Yeah. Like, would I weigh out a cucumber? No, that would be ridiculous. But if I had, if I'd made a salad and I'd be like, right, cool. There's like quarter of a cucumber in there, quarter of an iceberg lettuce, like couple of tomatoes, bit of red onion, some olives oh i'm in love with olives at the moment whatever a salad okay i would look at it be like cool that's about 50 50 to 70 calories depending on if i put the olives in or not and (laughs) yeah and if i want a dressing on it cool but you eyeball it but the point is you account for it of course you do yeah like we're not here for for sin foods or free calories like there is no such thing the, the the mad thing is is that most people will most people worry about things like that, like, oh, do I need to count the salad? Actually, it's the amount of dressing that you put on it that's the problem. It's the, it's the 300 calories that you've just jammed on in a Caesar salad dressing. Oh, that's do you know the- what's so sad? It's Caesar salad dressing is so good. And the low-calorie versions taste like... Sh- I was going to say the S-word. They do sure. not taste nice. Now, to be fair, I'll be honest with you, most low-calorie stuff doesn't taste like the original. Like I remember having that, um, Shona gets a brand that's like got zero calories in it. And she's like, is oh, try skinny, the barbecue. Is it skinny yeah, sauce? Yeah. 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 Try the barbecue sauce. And I was like, that's not barbecue sauce. That's just brown water. It's like- <laughs> Do you know what we've done? Is we've taken barbecue sauce, put it in the bottom, put some water in, shake it all up, and now and- it's low-calorie. 
that's it. But it's like, um, it's like you know how they're doing this whole thing about demonising sugar and they're making like cereal companies and stuff like cut them out of sugar in their cereal. Like, have you tried Cocoa Pops? Cocoa Pops are literally Rice Krispies with brown milk. Like, they don't, there's no chocolate, there's no cocoa in them. It's, they're guff. Oh, Kellogg's, if you want to sort that shit out. I was speaking to someone the other day and they were like, Cocoa Pops have less calories in than... Um, like rice puffs at the moment or something. I was yeah, like, how, there's, there's like how is the chocolate version less calories than the one that doesn't have chocolate on? Because it just it's, they just put a brown colour on them, just claiming or that it's chocolate. It's probably not. Yeah, it's, or they've done what Weight Watchers do normally and just change the portion size. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's so low calorie. Yeah, because you're only having like two spoonfuls of Cocoa Pops. Yeah, no, they've, they've done all that like to obviously cut the sugar out a bit, but it doesn't take That's the same. most depressing thing, isn't it? When you weigh out an actual serving of the cereal. 30 grams. 30 it's... grams of cereal. You look at it and go, what rabbit is going to even be sort of slightly appetised by that? Nobody. Yeah. 30 grams. I will, I agree with the... Um... <laughs> I'm going to have to use a teaspoon and a baby's bowl. Um, I agree with the skinny sauce. Huh? No, that's still too much. Yeah. You like, do you like the skinny sauces? So I have tried some of them and I like some of them. I really like the ketchup, but it tastes nothing like ketchup. Nothing. No. Like it, I think that, but it's like, I really like it. Like I have that probably most days. And my tip, which I think I've said on this before, for salad dressing is sweet chili sauce but fill half the thing with water. Because you know how it's really thick? Yeah. And then you like shake it up and it's like a salad dressing and less calories than the sweet chili sauce. And so good. The sweet chili sauce is tasty. Plus you want a bit of a wet salad. Yeah. Do you know what um, Chloe told me? That she sometimes puts her salad in like a pan and heats it up. What? (laughs) Is that not just a stir fry? Well, what with but with like actual salad stuff? It's just, that's just a stir fry. Then it's not a salad. Well, it, what, like what even happens to lettuce when you put it in a stir fry? Have it's you seen soggy. it? Yeah, it goes soggy, or if you or it goes crispy, one of the two. Crispy. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to message Chloe and ask <laughs> what kind of animal cooks a salad. That's not- I don't know if she was then she was trying to like she was like yeah, yeah, no no I just meant I like warm salad like warm things on my salad but I was like yeah but that's different than putting like it's nice to have like warm chicken on your salad or warm bacon yeah yeah whatever uh, mm. actually imagine just know, a bacon salad that's just that's just bacon that's, that's just bacon. a low carb bacon roll <laughs> yeah skip the skip the lettuce just have the roll it's fine <laughs> yeah right okay I think we covered that. Next question. Part one. Can you talk in some more detail about the sources of protein? I got used to eating bars and shakes, but I've heard a few times that, quote unquote, real food is better for protein. Why is that? Um, Is it only because it makes you feel fuller for longer? Or are are there some actual benefits of having protein from things like meat, eggs, etc., as opposed to a bar? Um, obviously you 
if you take in, if you're intaking through food like chicken and eggs, etc., you're going to have the satiety levels of actually eating food. Um, whereas a shake is done quite quickly, and you're not going to have the same fulfilment of having, or have, maybe not having a full stomach, but having a stomach that's not empty. Whereas a shake will just go right through you. Um, for protein-wise, it's it's really the same if you have a shake or if you have food, but a lot of it will be how you're how you process it. Whereas, like if you if I have a shake, I know for a fact I'll be hungry fifteen minutes later. But if I have chicken and some rice or chicken and some some veg and stuff, I'm probably not going to have that same fifteen minutes later where I'm going to eat my arm again because I've I've had some food. Mm. Um, but the the, as well, isn't it? That's exactly, you know, if you think about a protein shake, so I well, popped up on the commit group that, you know, one of the protein shakes that I get from Home Bargains, like 69 pence, 26 grams of protein. But I, as I say, I had one this morning, but I was hungry 15 minutes later. Whereas I know if I had, you know, have I had something a bit more substantial, I'll last longer in the day without being hungry. So it's, you're totally right. It's the food, the food volume is the big thing on that. And I guess if you're, you know, if you're dieting around people as well, like you're much better to, if you're sitting down with everyone else and they're having, I don't know, whatever they're having, but you're like, oh, I'm going to have a chicken salad. Like, that's fine. You can sit and eat with them. If you're like, I'm just having this shake. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Well, you know, it's one of those ones where we sit and go, you know, do what works for you. But as you say, if you don't want to, if you don't want to feel like you're being, if you're sticking out, being the odd one out in a group, as we've said before, you choose what you're going to do and you go with it. So, but, you know, having something like, if they're all having, uh, if they're all having dinner and you're having a, a, a shake, you know, you're going to stick out. Mm. So whether, you can, so the difference is, is there, if, can you deal with that sticking out? Does it bother you? If it doesn't bother you, have the shake. But if you want to have that sort of normality of eating food alongside other people, just make better choices. Yeah, which I think is really important long term. Like, yeah you're not going to want to always be the one that's having a shake and so and also like I would argue having a chicken salad or something is far better like you're getting in some veg you're getting in some macronutrients some micronutrients you're getting in some food volume you're chewing like all these things and unpopular opinion protein shakes are rank um there are certain ones I like and there are certain ones that are just horrific. Um, the same as protein bars as well. Though. Like when we first started out in the fitness industry, remember what protein bars used to taste like? They taste oh like my god, disgusting! And Absolutely. like they're, they're chewy now, but they used to be like it was like eating a piece of wood. Yeah, well, you it was it. either. I remember some um, USN ones, and they were like they were almost trying to be the texture that protein bars are now but they weren't quite then it was just the chewiest thing i've ever had you'd have that or you'd have something that was so dry which actually was really nice with a cup of tea yeah that's it but you couldn't like you could not eat it it was like eating dry crackers like you can't eat it without drinking something no there was there was there might have been usn ones actually that i used to have to end up drinking like a glass of milk alongside it because it was like and then you're like probably should just have the milk really yeah you did they'd probably be better off just doing that yeah so um, the macros on them like the calories in them they used to just be like having a mars bar and a protein shake they had that the usn had one that was like a 
Mars Bar crispy cake. I'm sure it was like, an, was it muscle fuel oh, anabolic? Oh, muscle fuel anabolic. They were so Ooh. tasty. How good. They were like having a, like a, a Christ crispy Mars Bar cake. It was the best, but uh-huh. they were like 500 calories yeah. a bar. I was like, and it, oh, to be fair, you would sit and go, I could destroy one, but like by the time you got three quarters of the way through, you're sitting going, my jaw's about to fall off. Yeah, got cramped in my jaw. Yeah, and this and it was like literally like a brick. They were huge. You could have probably knocked out somebody if you threw it at them. So those <clears throat> those were the days. Also, I got <laughs> so much USN stuff for free. Because I was working Always. with them. And it was like, I think I ate so many of those bars, but God knows why I wasn't really overweight. Anyway, um, part two of this question. <clears throat> because I know not all foods have essential amino acids, would it make sense to try and eat at least a little bit of animal protein with my plant? There's no tea, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming plant protein. I am a person who rarely eats meat, but eats some cheese and eggs and sometimes fish too. And I'm basically wondering if I have a spoonful or two of yogurt, if I'm only having a plant-based protein bar, would it, would it make it any better? <clears throat> Again, probably overthinking things too much. There. Yeah. I wouldn't stress too much. I remember it would depend on the protein bar as well. Cause some of them, it depends what the protein bar is made out of. Cause some of them are quite good in that they'll use various types of protein with different essential amino acids, which gives you quite a good amino acid spectrum. So you would, sh- you should still hit all of your essential amino acids with that bar. So that's a good way of doing it. Um, this is something Amelia goes into quite a lot in the EIQ lectures, like different ways of, if you were, for example, vegan, eating different foods like with your meal yeah like in your meal i don't i mean it it sounds like you'd have to think about it a lot but not hugely you just think okay so i'm i'm not just getting protein from my chickpeas but i'm also having some soy with that or lentils or like quinoa or whatever it's like as you kind of would in a normal meal like some variety you're not just having one i'm not just eating chickpeas on their own yeah that's yeah that's it it's um but don't again don't over don't stress too much about the finer details i think it's you know the finer details are things that don't a lot of the time i think especially when you look at that kind of stuff is the stuff that actually as we say pre as i say quite a lot it's the stuff that matters the least so don't don't overstress yourself about it okay what's next what is the relationship between your energy deficit and fat loss over time? For example, if you're in a 350 calorie deficit one day, is that a tenth of a pound literally going to leave your body that day or does it accumulate and fluctuate and then drop off later? See, I love this question, but again, massively overthinking it. Yeah, wow, that's like, that's overthinking to a new level. That's, that's impressive stuff. <laughs> oh, so good though. Um, <clears throat> I guess it kind of does, really. I mean, you would never, because of other reasons our weight fluctuates, you would never be able to read that on a scale. And even if you did like a DEXA scan, which is our like gold standard of measuring body composition, aside from a cadaver, which is probably it's not, a bit good, it's a little bit drastic, but you know. For science, you won't come back from that one. I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, 
what was I going to say? Yeah, so you wouldn't even be able to read that on a deck. So it's kind of like a tenth of a pound. Like we don't have measures that are that sensitive. But technically, like, yeah, your that um, energy has to come from somewhere. Now, it wouldn't necessarily be fat. Like it could be that you've lost 350 calories worth of glycogen. Yeah, that's true. And, and realistically, it's likely to be some of that from glycogen, some of that from fat, maybe a little bit of lean body uh, mass loss as well. So, um, yeah, I think we've not really got much else to say on that. Uh, okay, I read a Joe Wicks book. I didn't buy it. My friend left it here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's an ex- I didn't buy it, honest. It's not my book. <laughs> oh. you don't, you don't, we're not going to judge you. Judge you. <laughs> okay so she read in the book that alcohol interferes with fat loss separately from calories um it contains se- sorry separately from the calories it contains or the extra food it might cause you to eat um read more elsewhere and it said that because your body can't store alcohol slash empty calories in the way it can store fats carbs it focuses on getting rid of those calories and therefore halts the processes the other calories and slows fat loss what is the tangible effect of this for example how much would two glasses of wine interfere with your fat loss slash energy balance process for that day is it negligible again too much too many things to think about on that one to, to actually it's like all these are overthinking but i love them they're great they're great honestly see like the overthinking questions are great questions but it all comes back to that's far too much too, do you know what's much. interesting seeing the difference between the questions we get here from like commit to six and one-to-ones and the questions yeah. i get on the ec method uh-huh. which are much more like because a lot of them are like newer to this process yeah they're much more basic so it's really fun to be like huh so anyway even let's say this process is true and to some extent it is i wouldn't call them like what is it what was it empty calories and things but anyway your body like will probably get rid of alcohol first but i don't like that's not a pro- like i mean if you look at energy balance over time cool it's it you've, you've eaten calories and maybe it's going to get rid of those calories preferentially if it does like if this was if this process was completely true which i'm not 100 percent sure it is if that happened fine then once you've got rid of those calories you would continue to lose body fat if you were in a deficit yeah. Like, what would? Why would it matter that? Okay, let's say the other way worked. You stored the calories from alcohol and you kept losing body fat, but that those alcohol calories would have to be stored somewhere, probably yeah. in body fat. So it doesn't like yeah. it makes absolutely no difference. Yeah, the, the the biggest I think the biggest problem with stuff like like that is that there's a lot of stuff. Again, we've we've discussed this over the last week, I think. I did, I think I did a couple of stories on this and you did a post on it, I think, about talking over the head of people. Like, this is something that, like, it's for putting in a book for general Joe public, that is going to confuse the absolute shit out of people and they're going to freak out at that. Like, and then they start to over-question things. So, you know, Joe Wicks, that's not something that should have been in his book. Like, he's not aiming that, that's not, that's not directed at the audience that's going to buy that book. Like, people like me and you, we're not going to buy a Joe Wicks book to read that. 
whereas somebody who's starting off on a fitness journey or starting off on a weight loss journey or whatever it is, is going to buy that book and then start stressing the hell out of themselves because they're worried about what's happening. And in actual fact, there might be, the, the differences might be negligible, but in all manner, it's not really going to make that big a difference. So, yeah, I don't really understand what, like, I mean, you could say exactly the same for carbohydrates. When you eat carbohydrates, insulin increases. That turns off fat breakdown because, look, insulin's basically a, a sign to say we've got energy here. Why are you breaking down more of your stored energy? We need to get rid of, like, we need to either store or use this first. Cool. Yeah. Like that. That's like an amazing thing your body does. And I think when you get a little bit of information like that, with no context, and often this is why I must get asked which um, fitness books I would suggest like multiple times a day, none, like absolutely none for this very reason, because you get stuck in their narrative of nobody in a book, nobody's questioning you. So, and, and it's quite similar when someone does, this is why I love having Andy on, not just because he knows a lot more about certain aspects than I do, but because he will challenge me if he's like, huh, why? If I came on today and was like, yes, I want everyone to stop uh, drinking alcohol because you know, it stops the fat loss process and that's not what we want when we're trying to lose weight. Andy would be like, oh, why? Like, yeah. so your question, so you're not like, but if on the other hand, I said that, no one questioned it and I sort of went through this process which vaguely makes some sense and like, like talked you all into it, very easy to like brainwash people in that sense. Well, I think... To sit back and put like this, not the cynical head on, but put on the head that's like a bit be, me being realistic about what he's probably trying to do here is critical. Yeah, as generally, what I would say is, is that people who people who will pick that book up, and this is me being really like this is me like stereotyping that is that are people who probably drink too much alcohol during the week anyway, and it does affect their calorie intake. So if you're smashing a bottle of wine in a night you probably could do with just dropping that alcohol out and you'll start to make a calorie deficit anyway. So it's probably what he's trying to do is he's trying to make people think that actually cut off that bottle of wine a night and I'll start to lose weight. Yes, you will. But it's not because of the processes. It's because you made a calorie deficit because that thousand calories of wine is now out your system every day. So it's doing that. But again, it's just over, it's over, overshooting people's heads and like giving them, it's, it's, it's confusing them more than anything else. But you can see the long-term problem with that in that some people enjoy wine and they yeah, and enjoy it. And it's not like a long, it's not a long-term solution to be like, no, if you want to lose fat, you can never drink wine. No, like I, yeah. I'm impressed when someone says, like, I still sometimes get in check-ins, even though I think that we always encourage this. Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I had a bottle of, well, maybe not a bottle, that'd be a bit far, but I had two glasses of wine on Friday. I'm so annoyed. I'm like, you, you've, put that into your calories you've lost weight this week you've ticked all the boxes you've done all the workouts you've hit your step count i what like i'm far more impressed if you're still drinking wine if that's if that's the thing that you enjoy or if you're still having chocolate if that's the thing that you enjoy that means that this process is going to be long term so yeah that's it that's exactly it there is it's long term if we turned around and said to to clients what is your favorite food crisps you can never have crisps again it's not a maintainable diet because you're going to miss you're going to miss crisps, and the first thing you want is going to be. Crisps. I love crisps. I'm a I'm a I'm a savory man. I'm a crisp all about the yeah. crisps. Like crisps and Nando's chips. 
Yeah, see, I'm, I'm normally, my mind is, I don't normally get the chips and Nando's. I go for spicy rice and coleslaw. I love, love coleslaw. Oh, see, I didn't normally get my... them because calories, but <laughs> <laughs> the peas That's... are unreal. Oh my God, the saddest thing happened. Aldi started doing the peas and now can't find them anywhere. Like Nando's peas, they were so good. Oh. And every time I go in, my heart breaks a little bit. Because <laughs> they were really good. I could probably make them myself. Like, it's just chili, and probably some sort of oil or fat thing, and some like spices and peas. No, Surely. too hard. Couldn't do it. Couldn't possibly do that. Chuck it to the sink. Yeah, I just have to order myself some peas from Nando's. Okay. <laughs> I've heard that, oh, this is a bit bullshit as well. I've heard that um, avocados can spot reduce belly fat. No. Next. Um, <laughs> although I thought that this isn't really possible, question mark. Yeah, you're correct. Well done. I read that because of their monosaturated and oleic acid, fatty acid, they can spot reduce visceral fat. Is this bullshit and does it come down to calories and the fact that they might make you feel fuller? Okay, another unpopular opinion. Don't like avocados. Avocados suck big time. Yeah. It's like, I hate this thing about, Finpro, yeah, I had avocados, eggs and toast. And you're sitting going, there's about 4,000 calories on that. (laughs) You're not losing weight on that shit. Like, I've had two avocados and eight eggs. Right, okay, then well, that's ruined, your fat. Like, uh, ruined the salad. For the, for the next three weeks, done. So, yeah. uh, oh, avocado taste, it doesn't even have a taste. Yeah, it's just a mush. Yeah. The only way I can eat it is putting loads of salt on it, and then I'm like, now I'm just eating, like, mushy salt. Yeah, Gua- like, I, I quite like guacamole, but I hate avocados, like... I would not. I would if someone put an you avocado. You only like really good guacamole from like Mexico. Uh, no, I quite Sainsbury's guacamole is quite good. No way. I think it's probably because I put my own homemade salsa with it, so it makes it better. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, homemade salsa. Yes. Well, yeah. Might have to do that today. Mm. Okay, so, it, okay, right, where, where are we going? Belly fat, blah, blah, blah. No, it can't do that. If it could, amazing. Because we know that where you store fat is really important to health. I've just done this lecture twice talking about this, so I won't, um, I won't do it again because I'm quite <laughs> tired of myself talking about it. Um, I, I recorded it the first time and the audio was so bad. And it was so sad because I was like, it's like my favourite thing to talk about. Not, not like... Huh? You smashed that lecture and then had to go do it again. Yeah. And you, I just feel like the love wasn't there quite as much. Yeah. Because you haven't to do it a second time. Yeah. And like, you're bo- like I was bored of my own voice. So. You know what? It's not, you know what? It's not even as bored because you, like, you probably look back and go, oh, I just like, I accentuated that bit really nicely and I did this bit and it just doesn't sound the same. So, yeah, the sadness just sadness builds inside. But anyway, there's there isn't really any research that certain well, there's no research that certain foods can reduce visceral fat. But exercise seems to peripherally, at least initially, take from visceral fat. 
which is yep. excellent news. So if you are someone or know someone or one of your family is very overweight or has a very wide um, waist circumference, then getting them to exercise is like the best thing I can do in this. We spoke about this quite a lot actually. And in a podcast after that, the more and more we were just talking about the research, like everything in my head seemed to lead back to focusing on fitness for people. Like if you're, if, if you're doing this for your health, which I know a lot of people aren't, a lot of people are doing it. Like you're already in the normal BMI bracket but you want to lose some body fat to make yourself feel better or just because you want to, like you don't need to validate the reason that you need to do that or that you want to do that. So that that's absolutely fine. But if you're someone who's in the overweight bracket or the obese bracket, um, focusing on your fitness has, is far more indicative of health outcomes than losing weight. However, the two will probably go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. I think going back to what you said prior to that, I think people need to, this is, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion, but I don't think vanity is a bad reason to want to train. I don't think wanting to look better, whereas everybody seems to have that one. Oh, you're getting too lean. No, why? I want to be lean. Like, if I want to... Yeah, if unless I want it's to, like you're getting look, too lean, it's affecting your health. Yeah, that's a bit different. But if I'm looking in the mirror and going, I'm seeing great changes, I'm looking great. What's, that's, that's, not a, that's not an invalid goal for people to have. Mm. Yeah. And there's this whole um, obesity sort of paradox, which and a lot of it is based on, well, there's two things. One of them I just kind of discussed is that you can be obese but fit. There is very rare, but you can be. Um, and uh, And what they mean by fit is like not or healthy, quote-unquote. It means they don't have any metabolic complications yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's it. It's, you know, it's, um, that's, the, that's the, unfortunate, the, the unfortunate thing, though, isn't it? It's that thing. It's, it's not happened yet. Yeah. And if you keep going that way, the, those, those things are going to end up coming, coming your way. Your body might just be able to fight them off a little bit longer than other people. Um, well these things take a long time to progress like if you became obese tomorrow andy like somehow you just put on shed load of body fat then you wouldn't have type 2 diabetes tomorrow no it takes takes years to like develop insulin resistance so that's quite interesting anyway let's move on because we have a million questions and i could talk about that all day Okay, this one is, apologies for the list of questions. I understand this is not the Mazalicious Meets ESG show. Hmm. So feel free to pick whatever ones float your boat. Question one, does poor sleep alone prevent you from losing weight um, if you remain in a calorie deficit? No. If you're in a calorie deficit, you'll... Yeah. you'll the sleep stuff around that will be things like um, like lower quality of intensity and in workouts potentially being sleepy might make you crave certain like what food because you're hungry so because you need to feel you need the energy etc which might then put you over get you away out your calorie deficit so sleep alone is not going to do it but it's the sort of things around it that'll that'll sort of add up and contribute to it okay yeah i agree if someone is on high dose contraception back to back thick back-to-back combined combined contraception pill hormonal coils depot injections 
all of them. Just making uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I am very fertile. I need them all. <laughs> Does this prevent monthly variations in water gain slash loss, hunger levels, meta- metabolic rate, etc.? Okay, this is one of the big problems. I've spoken about this before that a lot of fit pros, it's almost like popular to talk about periods at the moment and how at different phases of your cycle, certain things might affect you and blah, 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 blah. And then no one really caveats that with, by the way, if you are on some form of contraception, that will have impacts too. And also we don't know exactly what impacts every contraception will have slightly different impacts some of them have weight gain side effects but again we know that that would be because they're either making you eat more or move less like it's not just having you're not just storing magical calories from nowhere so there will like you won't have the same water gain loss variations and hunger levels and metabolic rate that you that you would if you weren't on any contraception it's far too hard to say like it's not as easy as to be like, if you are on this form of the pill, you will get this. If you are on, like, it's so individual. Um, yeah. To give you some context, I was on the pill for years and I didn't get any change in weight, like around my cycle at all. Yeah. But now that I'm not, I put on about mm, at, like at least two pounds the week before. So bearing in mind that would negate any fat loss I was having like and and I have been in a fat loss phase this whole like time during lockdown and I was telling Andy I've lost 25 pounds round of applause please Andy thank you thank you thanks thanks um where was I going with that but last week I weighed two pounds more and this week I weigh two pounds less than and a little bit more like it, it masks fat loss And I think people need to get their head around that. Like it is a really, and I get that it's a hard thing to get your head around, especially because the week prior to your period, when you are hormonal as hell, like emotional, irrational, possibly in a little bit of pain, like all these things combined and you weigh more and you're trying to lose body fat and you're like, I've stuck to everything. Why is this not working? And that's when you tend to go off your diet. And that's when those two pounds of water retention tend to turn into like, fat gain as well because you've you've been overeating and when it comes to because i get this question all the time as well like how do you deal with cravings around your hormonal cycle like you can do two things you can up your like if you still want it let's say you still want to stay in a fat loss phase you can up your calories a little bit because you probably burn a little bit more calories the week prior to your period um or you can decide that you want to be in a bit of a bigger deficit. Like, oh, you're burning a little bit of extra calories. Like, I always just go with, this week's going to be hard. But I know if I get through this week, I've got three weeks that are going to be easier. Like, do it as a bit of a test to yourself. And, and yeah. you can do one or the other. And I think sometimes it's like, that would be harder for Andy to say. Because yeah. he's not been through it. If he was like to his clients, yeah, well, you know, just suck it up for a week. You'll, you know, you'll be in a bit of a bigger deficit maybe, but stick to your yeah. calories. So I get that like it's hard, but that is like if people want to know what I would do or what I do do, that is what I do. I'll be honest with you. I've got a few female clients that I have said that to, but it's because I'm comfortable. I can say that to them. Mm. Uh, but like if, for instance, if it was a new client, remember I think you said, you, you not do a question on this one about the fact that, you know, somebody, one of their PTs wasn't wanting to discuss this stuff. Yeah. Like, 
as a male personal trainer, as a male coach, I have to be able to deal with this stuff because yeah. it's probably in my career as a personal trainer, my, my swing of male to female clients is probably 60 to 70% females because women want to learn more. They, they're, 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 they want to engage, they want to understand, they want to educate themselves, whereas guys think they know it all. So I have to be able to discuss this stuff with a female. I have to be able to understand, you know, they have to be able to come to me and say, by the way, it's my time of the month. And I'm like, mm. okay, that's why we've got this two pound increase, three pound increase over this week. So this is what we need to do. We can do it this way, this way. So yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, and that's why, like, I would not refer clients to Andy if I didn't know that, it, like, if you're a male personal trainer and you can't talk about these things, you can't work with females. Yeah, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong industry. It's yeah. just simple. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, and, and I know that because... I did a commit to six and Andy was my coach and I would speak to him about all these things. Like it, and it doesn't like, I felt just as comfortable talking to Andy as I would talking to a female coach. Some of the other therapy sessions that I had to go through, you know, they were difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm joking. You were a joy. Thanks. Okay. Myth or not having a hot bath for half an hour burns the same calories as running for 20 minutes. Mess, mess, mess. If so, why are there why are there not people having two hour boiling hot baths immediately? Um yeah. I don't think it burns any calories, unfortunately. Depends on what you're doing in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was, was always that one remember that you something to do with every time you fart you burn four calories who said that that was one of these weird ones it was like popped up as a meme on like oh, it's that, uh shane and i always talk about this on the podcast uh there's like a meme thing and it's like facts like but they're not i don't i'm like pretty sure now they're not facts but they come Maybe. up like they are facts yeah and one of them was something like every time you have an orgasm you burn like it was something ridiculous like 100 calories like not that? not having sex just just the process of the orgasm okay perfect there we go i was like huh that's a new fat loss program right there <laughs> yeah i'm i um i'm gonna out Haley here because when we said that she was like oh great like that oh no what were we talking about something about like how many Oh, actually, I'm not going to even say that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, quick fire. Favorite protein snack? Um, what have I got just now? Oh, the fulfill, fulfill protein bars. Which one? Uh, the triple chocolate one. And then oh. whole bargain, 45 pence rather than two pounds. 45p? 45p. Holy bejeebas. Uh, I think mine is birthday cake flavor protein bar. Any. Pretty good. good choice. Good choice. Although quite messy. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, Thousands everywhere. Dun, 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 sorry, I'm just going. We actually have. Oh, Andy, we're going to have to do another podcast. <laughs> I've got I've got one actually that I said I would cover today of from Eve which she put up in the commit to sex was about right, okay let's finish on that because we're actually only about halfway through the questions 
we can do doubles, don't worry. Um, so Eve's question was, my uh, 13-year-old son has asked if he can start weight training with me. He wants to build some muscle he's, so he's in good shape for rugby season when he gets back to school. Any tips, welcome. And is he okay to have protein shakes? So the general, genuine answer for this one is that it's for, for weight training for kids, there is no contraindicator. There are no contraindications that have been shown up to be... There are a lot of myths in this one. Things like... Um, kids Potential growth. Yeah, stunt your growth, which was to, all to do with um, destroying growth plates, which is absolutely bollocks. There is no evidence to that whatsoever. Um, there is also this thing about kids being too strong. There is no such thing as too strong. You're a, no such thing as too strong. If you've got an extremely strong kid, you've got a machine. Simple as that. Um, I've worked with I've worked with kids from the age of like. Sort of, nine ten um right the way through and i've had had a brother and sister that i coached in fact you you know you know mary from edinburgh uni the hockey hockey girl um but i'd coached her and yeah. her brother ken and they've both they've both competed internationally at their sports and i trained them from like sort of 12 13 no they're, way they're both absolute like both machines like literally machines yes can, and, i can attest to this yeah. Very impressive. Focusing on technique, um, good lifting practices, and also just, you know, like simple things like discipline, attitude to come into the gym and do what they need to do. Just set you up for life, like getting into that kind of stuff, like, and you know, getting into that kind of thing is just going to help you develop as a person uh, more than anything oh, else. I learned so much from my athletics coaches, not about running, but just like getting life. to the on time, working yeah. hard like yeah. you won't get results if you if you don't train hard that kind of thing like I yeah, yeah I learned a massive amount from that about discipline yeah. and also it keeps you out like even worse now with social media and everything but like growing up at the moment from like I don't know from even like 12 to like 16 17 that's a really tough age I think you're very yeah. impressionable it's very easy to like go down the wrong tracks and I was a little shit at school until I was about 15 and got really into athletics. And then I was like, I'm not hanging around the park drinking like stolen alcohol from my parents' house anymore. Like I want to be fresh at the track tomorrow. So, and and that also like goes on to helping you work harder at school. Like you're disciplined from training to know that if you don't train hard, you won't get results. Cool. If you don't study hard, you won't get results. Like it's so much about life. Plus, it gives you a hell of a lot of friends as well, like that have similar values. This is going. This this may be. This may be a. a, a this is just generally from my opinion of growing up. So, um, I my my sister was very much very book smart. She was very much. She was a bit of a. She was a geek pretty much. Didn't do sport. Um, and her social skills were awful. Like she couldn't speak to people. Whereas I played sport from a very young age. Um, I then got into, I don't know what it is. I think it's something if you're good at sport, you'll try other things as well. So like I got into music, I played piano, played violin, but I was always very sociable. And I think- Andy music, playing the violin. <laughs> I, was a, I was a grade five on violin and I was a grade, oh my eight, God. I was grade eight on the piano. I was actually one stage away from becoming, I've been able to um, teach people how to play the piano. Um, That's amazing. I also played the violin, but I... Huh? Go for it. No, no, go for it, go for it. 
I um, never learned to read music, which meant all I could do was just remember what the teacher's fingers were doing and then like redo that. But I was yeah. very bad. So I, I'm, I'm the opposite. I read, I read music. I, like, I quite enjoyed that. I find it very relaxing, in fact. But the reason that I was made to, or not made to go, but the reason that I did musical instruments was one, my dad always wanted me to, to learn this stuff. But he also blackmailed me that if I didn't go to my piano lessons or my violin lessons, I didn't get to play sport afterwards. So it's a little bit like American college where if you don't get the grades, you don't play on a play mm. at the weekend. My dad did exactly the same to me. So I went and I did my piano lessons and I worked my arse off, did my grades and stuff because it meant that I was able to go and play at sport later on in the day. So yeah, it's um, so yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. So to round that one up, like yes, definitely get. I think like getting your kids started early, even with strength training, but focusing I, more on technique. Like if you can get them with really good technique, it stands them in such good stead to then load the bar, like maybe in a couple of years or something, or like progressively over yeah. that time. The other thing I would say is focus on body weight stuff, like pull body ups. Push-ups, yeah. like if they core, can get really good at that, or controlling their body. Yeah, coordination is a massive one with kids because of things like growth spurts. That was one of the things that with um, Mary's brother Kenneth. That's what we worked because he was like he's six foot. What is he? Six foot five. Um, Jesus. Had massive growth spurts. So like things would become to the point where we would just we would virtually sort of not even regressing back, but we would move back to things like um, coordination ball catching, ladder work with footwork, footwork patterns, things like that, is lifting patterns to get himself. And it was all just coordination, especially the things like growth spurts. Because I think I see a lot of coaches that work with kids and they get really frustrated that they're like from week to week that they're like, you were really good at squatting last week, you're not this week. But you know, why is that? It's because they've made potentially had a little growth spurt over the past couple of weeks and they're still trying to work their frame out to into a certain body position so yeah you know, coordination coordination is huge with kids but um the protein side of stuff there's no reason why kids can't have protein shakes the ideal if they can eat it to be fair because obviously things like being able to get veg and stuff in as well which a lot of kids miss out on uh, and why i did because i can hate vegetables but you know <laughs> there there are certain like for instance you know i did i've done a couple of seminars with a rugby club and i know that for a fact that the SRU, so the Scottish Rugby Union, um, don't allow or tell kids that they should not be taking sports supplements. Um, whereas if you go to like the All Blacks in New Zealand, they their kids are are informed properly about sports nutrition. So things like creatine, which is perfectly safe to use, especially when you're getting into a strength training background with kids, especially in sport. You know, things like protein shakes for recovery, for building muscle, etc. So rather than like just like doing what the SRU you've done and just blanket ban everything, actually have somebody to educate the kids on these things, like teach them why you should be doing it. And, as, and for something I remember reading on Twitter, I think it was, um, was it Brad Schoenfeld that put it up, about somebody claiming that creatine was a um, gateway to steroids. That is the biggest pile of bullshit in the world. Do you like, think part of it is, comes from, um, do you remember when people used to talk about steroids and they'd be like, ignorance. huh? Yeah, it's, it's genuine ignorance. Like, creatine is the most researched 
the substance in in sports nutrition like the amount of studies that have been done on it is frightening but it's yeah not- and and also it's in food like proteins and food creatines and food whey protein is just milk with there's the- like more- steak and stuff as well it's what i'm going to start taking steroids because i like eating steak Shut yeah up, helmet it's a gateway well, drug it's gate it's gateway it's gateway supplement too but i remember the first gym i worked in people did like joke about taking like because they did take steroids but they'd be like oh yeah i'm just on my creatine cycle i'm cycling creatine in this week <laughs> yeah um okay i'm gonna finish with something that came up on my memories <gasps> your memories yeah so three years ago i wrote this is yoga always good when you're injured? Often the first point of call when you, are, when you are injured is to do some yoga. However, yoga has a surprisingly high injury occurrence and recent research brings into question whether yoga is actually a good option when injured. A prospective study, so watching a group over time, found that yoga causes muscular pain in 10% of participants and that it worsens pain in 21% of participants who already have injuries. Um, in more than a third of these cases, the pain was so severe that yoga participation was prevented for three months or more. Jeez. Yeah. However, I will say, like, this isn't to say that all yoga is bad, and no. I am sure it's helped more people than, hind- than it has hindered. But this study does bring into question general consensus that injury, all injuries can benefit from yoga. And, and this annoys me a bit <laughs> because the, and obviously I've been quite open about my injury with my back. Yeah. And one of the reasons I did that is because, like, I think it helps me. But there, there are other people in this situation. Like, it helps to be open about things. Um, it was very hard to hide because why was I on the floor for so long? Like, like, and also I'm just very open about my whole life. So anyway, that has been quite a large part of my life. I can't even count the amount of people that have messaged me either saying Pilates will fix it or yoga will fix it. And honestly, when you're in a really like bad way. And part of me is like, well, okay, I put it up there. So like, I obviously expect to get something back. And I know that people were trying to help. Like, have you tried yoga? No, I've not tried yoga. I can't even walk. Like, like what? Of course, your back, is, your back is in pieces. The last thing you want to do is to try to open it into different places. Yeah, I think, I think the, as you say, the common misconception with these kind of things is that, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I've done certain yoga sessions and I find some some of them beneficial, but other ones actually promote more pain for me than actually releasing any muscles. So I remember doing a a yoga session and at the time I felt, yeah, I felt great. The next morning, my lower back was like firing up and they're like, oh, just persist with it. No, I'm not persist with it because my fucking back's sore. I'm not persistent with that. A lot of the stuff like that is like, you know, if you have ruptured, if you've ruptured your quad, this might be like me saying, oh, you've ruptured your quad, just go squat more, that'll help it. No, no, it won't. That's not how this yeah. works. There's a time and a place and where you are in that injury cycle. Exactly. But also as well, I think things like Pilates and yoga, um, you know, people's bodies potentially aren't designed to bend in those ways. Mine's definitely as a like, you know. Yeah, this is the- what I find weird. It's like, oh yeah, it's good to do this. Says who? Like, why? Why is that well, good to get in those positions? It's the person that's making money at the top of the tree that said it was good to yeah, do Yeah, but that. who's Mr. Yoga? I guess it's a Mr. massive yoga. industry in itself. Well, we're not going... Is it Bikram Yoga that's the hot one? Yeah. 
he's 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 a he's a naughty man. He's been he's been um, he's been pulled up on num- numerous charges of touching clients. Um, Jeez. Yeah, so nah, it's that's that, that aside, like you know, if it's for you, try it. You know, try it, test it. If it doesn't work, chuck it. Find something else. Yeah, the, you know, the reason I absolutely love yoga is because it's got my mum exercising. Like yeah, she does I, it three times a week. She, ne- she never used to do any exercise. Like the amount of times I've tried to get her in the gym, she's come sometimes, she doesn't enjoy it. It's very yeah. hard for her to keep it up. But she's doing yoga and she's doing it consistently and she looks good for it and she feels strong for it. And like that is amazing. But it would be like me saying, oh, you want to get fit, you have to do CrossFit. Like there are so many ways to do things. And... And I, and I also think like the reason it bugs me so much is because I was obviously very emotional about my back anyway and yeah. not knowing what was wrong and stuff. And for people to just be like, oh, you just need to do some Pilates. That's, and that, what annoys me most, oh, that's what helped me. You have no idea what's wrong with my back. Nobody knows what's wrong with my back. How on earth are you going to yes. diagnose me from the? Yes, doctor. <laughs> yeah, I've had five slip discs, so I'll, I'll, I know. Cool, but, I don't have five slip discs. Yeah. And I haven't had an operation. And I'm not going to stop You know what it's like, though? The fitness industry is full of people that polarize themselves to certain training methodologies or whatever it is that they do. Then they try and force it down your throat. It's like, you remember that, the, the age-old joke of a CrossFitter, as a CrossFitter and a vegan walk into a bar, how do you know they're a CrossFitter and a vegan? Because they'll fucking tell you. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, that's just, that's taking the piss out of that. But genuinely, you'll find so many people will polarize themselves to a camp and they force that down people's throats. Like, just because I enjoy a bodybuilding sort of bro style training split, I don't force that onto my clients. My clients are set up how they need to work, how their lifestyle works and what their goals are. You know, and that's the good thing about being having a coach like you know, like yourself. You know, you, you look at the client, you look at the client how they need to progress, not because you. This is how I'm going to make you do it. No, 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 that's that's long gone. That's back in the, that's back in the eighties, telling people how they need to get fit. We're now at a point where there's so many training modalities, there's so many different diets. It's about finding what works for you, works for your lifestyle, and how you can. For instance, training around injury for you at the moment, you know, you know, yoga, you know, getting into a position and yoga, your back might be, you'd be screaming in agony because of your back. Whereas you might be able to go in a gym and sit on as long as everything's back supported and use machines, you know, but that's not wrong. Mm. It's how it works for you. Yeah, and I I did a Shona's yoga session in the group this week and and I quite enjoyed it. But I'm not sure that that, like my legs went numb. So, like, <laughs> I'm like, is that a, is that a good sign that things are moving? But I'm like, mm, probably not. Like, probably not a good sign. So I think for me, like, it's not. It's probably not going to help my back. And I don't know. It's and and like you say, it's it's very individual. I do find the identity side of things so interesting. Like, we'll tell people, and so this is probably more something for the podcast to do with Shona, but it's got me thinking about it that we'll tell people not to identify as you're a CrossFit, you're a vegan, whatever. Like I think there are more important things about someone than the fact they're vegan. Like that, that was like way, that should be way down your list. The way that you eat is the number one most important thing about you. What? Like it just makes, it screams to me, 
you are boring. It's the same thing as the whole, you know, look at the political, how politicised the world is at the moment. We are all one race. We are the human fucking race at the end mm. of the day. We are all interesting because we are, we, are, we are people. We are individuals. So, like, identifying yourself as, I'm a bodybuilder. Well, you're not really. You train like a bodybuilder, but you, you don't compete. So you're not actually a bodybuilder. Shut the fuck up. Like, you're boring me now. But so, even if you were, like, there should be a million things that are more yeah. important. Like, we were talking about why I don't, like... I guess identify as gay because I don't think it's important like at all but that's yeah exactly because you you know at the end of the day going back to what we, one of the questions we were winding up about judging about by a Joe Wicks book people decent genuine people do not judge no matter what you tell them and that's at the end of the day you're Emma I love you because you're Emma yeah. I'm Andy. I'm an absolute dickhead. And I can say that because I am a dickhead. But I am Andy. I'm an individual. And that's that's who you are. Like you're I'm not a like I am Andy, but I I'm, I'm a personal trainer, but I'm not only a personal trainer. Like, yeah. I've, like, everybody's multifaceted and it's as simple as that. And if you identify yourself to one facet, actually all you're doing is you're doing yourself a disservice. Like you're doing yourself a disservice to, to, yeah. to you as a person. It also makes it very hard to change, doesn't it? Like, imagine you'd built your, like, imagine I built my whole fitness career being a vegan, and now I was like, not going to be a vegan anymore. Well, that's that's why you get so many ones. Like, there was that thing about the girl in America, the woman in America who was like claiming that you know being vegan is the only way. Funny enough, she's not got any more publicity now. She started eating meat. <laughs> so yeah, well, she was really more, ill, didn't she? She started yeah, start exactly. eating meat because she was really deficient in certain things. Like everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we were going to round off about half an hour ago. So this is a very long podcast. I hope you enjoy. We will have to do a part two because we're only halfway through these questions. I'm also about to do check-ins, which means we'll have more questions. So I will speak <laughs> to you soon, Andy. Perfect. Good to speak to you.